It's time once again for the Passion to Succeed podcast, where we explore the traits, mindsets, and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals. This show is for anyone who wants to make a difference, make more money, learn from the greatest minds, and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed. Here's your host, serial entrepreneur, successful author, and the world's most passionate master coach, Craig White. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Passion to Succeed podcast show, a show really dedicated to empower you to create clarity and certainty in all you do and your really you know, passionate outcome. As always, we, we have a show that, you know, quite honestly, I'm really excited, and we have a show today that I believe is going to empower you to, to raise your game and raise your beliefs in the opportunities that lie within you and around you and most certainly before you. It's a real pleasure of mine to, to introduce a, a mentor of mine, someone that I, I stumbled across a few years ago and, and studied. Yet, you know, if I'm honest, looking forward to, to attend a, a live event with this, this exceptional guy, a guy that has you know, being in the, the personal development and, and influence trade, I guess, for over 40 years and writing 40 self-development books in, I believe, over 29 languages. So it's a real pleasure to to welcome the, the man himself, Dr. John Martini. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I believe, obviously, you're you're in the UK today, which is, which is great. We're on the same time zone. Yes, I'm in uh, London right here, and I... And I... It's lovely. I'm, I'm, I've been here for about a week now doing programs and consulting and media, so it's been great. Well, John, this is a, a, an absolute pleasure of mine personally to be able to, to connect with you and, and selfishly, I guess, indulge and, and being able to really contribute to the to the wider audience. And we have a, a real varied listener base uh, across the world, predominantly here in the UK, although we have many people streaming through iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher worldwide. And we have really people from, you know, maybe the entrepreneurial background, people that are maybe just starting off in in personal development or in business and, and even through to, to athletes. You know, recently we had a guy that messaged me. He's uh, stumbled across our podcast show and finding it, finding it really inspiring as he's training for his first marathon. So we really do have a varied listener base, which is, which is great. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, you've been in, in the, the, the contribution industry and really making a difference to, to people around the globe for, for 44 years now. How did you start out in personal development? <laughs> well, I was uh, a dry high school dropout. I ended up, um, I was told when I was a kid I was never going to be able to read or write or communicate, never amount to thing, never go very far in life in first grade. And I made it through elementary school with the help of the smartest kids by asking questions. But when I went to the next level of education and my parents moved to a small town, I didn't have any smart kids. We were in a low socioeconomic area and I just couldn't do it. I just failed and I uh, dropped out of school. I left home really at 13 and then I left Texas and lived on the streets and and, uh, was kind of a vagabond surfer kid uh, from 14 to 18. And uh, I made my way to California hitchhiking and then out, out to, um, I flew to Hawaii uh, after panhandling some money for, for a flight. And then I lived in the beaches of Hawaii. And I um, ended up nearly dying of strychnine poisoning. Oh, wow. And I was led, a lady found me in my tent, luckily. And that led me to a little health food store to try to get my body back in shape. 
And um, that led me to a talk where a gentleman named Paul Bragg spoke. And one night and one hour, this one man with his one message um, literally was speaking to me and woke me up. And that night, I believed that maybe I could overcome my learning problems. Maybe I could learn how to be intelligent and I could learn to read. And I, and I had a desire to want to travel the world and teach. And I saw a vision of doing that. And, you know, that's 45 years ago. And all I've wanted to do is, since then is what I'm doing. Just, I just wanted to research, write, travel, teach. And so I just started on that journey and I started reading and started sharing. And, you know, I had my first student. One of my, my second student I ever had is still a student. Wow. 40, almost 45 years. So I, I just never gave up on the uh, dream. And I, you know, if you give up, if you never give up on something, sooner or later everybody else dies out, you end up there. You just got to stay with it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're you're obviously a, a you know a, a really busy guy. Uh, I mean, I read somewhere that you 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 travel 360 days of the year sometimes to countries all over the globe, um, which is which is quite amazing. Do you do you still have a, a a passion for the the ocean for surfing? Does that still have a part in your life? Well, uh, yes. I'm on 65th birthday, which is coming up. I'm gonna I'm planning on surfing. I'm gonna get some. Uh, some of the big wave riders that are known, and we're going to go out and uh, do some big waves. Wow. So, yeah, I'll still do that. I, I live on a ship called the World, which is a condominium ship that uh, that allows me to go around the world and be on the ocean. And um, so when I'm not traveling speaking, I'm traveling on my ship and going country to country to speak. So I, I, I never lost that love, but I don't surf as much by any means as I did when I was young. But but now I'm surfing the cosmic ways by by researching and teaching. So, yeah, I understand the the passion. I mean, the reason I ask is I, you know, prior to my my own personal development journey, John, and and you know, becoming an entrepreneur, I was um, you know chasing my dream and surfing the world, and it's still something that I love to do, although avoid dedicating much time to it with my passions where they lie that they lie at the moment. So. So something that really fascinates me. I mean, a lot of you, you, you discuss through your your studies over the years and um, and your contribution. I mean, you're a renowned you know behavior specialist. You're obviously a researcher, global educator. Um, but a lot of people, there's that. Sometimes people can almost look. Well, I wasn't born that way. I wasn't necessarily born with the the genius inside me that I know is something you really look to get people to see. How? What would you say to these people that may? may think that, you know, it's, it's not something that you can learn. It's something that you're either born with or, or born without. Well, when somebody comes up to me <clears throat> and say, you know, oh, you're gifted, I go, okay, if you say so. <laughs> uh, I remember when I uh, turned 18 and I attempted to come back from Hawaii to California and back to Texas to see my parents. My parents encouraged me to take a GED, which is a high school equivalency test, and somehow, <laughs> by guessing, I passed. Wow. And I really couldn't read half of what was on the on the paper, but the test. But I, I guessed, and I, I I did another test to get into college, and I guessed, and I passed. And then I took my first college exam from a real class, and I needed seventy two to pass, but I got a twenty seven. I just bombed it, and I really almost gave up on everything at that moment, and. Um, you know, I, I literally was crying. I just said, well, I guess I don't have what it takes. I guess I'll never learn to read. I was really over, distraught by it. And my mom came home and saw me crying. And she said, what happened? And I said, I'm just bonded. I guess I don't know how to read. I don't get, I guess I won't be able to ever do it. And she didn't have to say, so she finally just put her hand on my shoulder. And she said, son, whether you become a great, you know, 
teacher, healer, and philosopher and travel the world like a dream, whether you return to Hawaii and ride giant waves like you've done, or you return to the streets and panhandle as a bum, I just want to let you know your father and I are going to love you no matter what. And that was a really amazing moment when she said that. My hand went into a fist, and I looked up, and I saw the vision of speaking in front of a large audience. It just came into my mind, and I... Um, I made a determination. I said to myself, I'm going to master this thing called reading and learning and studying, and I'm going to teaching and, and uh, speaking, and I'm going to overcome my learning problems, and I'm going, to like, I'm going to travel the world and step foot in every country in the face of the earth, and I'm not going to let any human being stop me, not even myself. I got up. I hugged my mom. I walked into the, the little room where I was, was sleeping, and, and I got a little dictionary out, and I started memorizing the dictionary. With the help of my mom, I, 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 I memorized 30 words a day, proper spelling, pronunciation, uh, usage in a sentence, and and, uh, and I had to do that. And I had to grow my vocabulary 30 words a day until I had 10,000 words in my head, you know, pretty well clearly. And I didn't stop. And then I started passing school, and I started, you know, excelling. And I liked, then I wanted to read, and I just started reading about 20 hours a day. I mean, I just I was reading on the way to school, I was reading on the way back, I was reading it during school, I was reading at night, I, I slept four hours a day, and all I wanted to do is read and learn the laws of the universe, and so it wasn't a gift, <laughs> it was it was an enormous desire to do something, you know, when you have a, a, a big enough why, the house take care of themselves, so I just had a very strong desire to overcome my learning problems and learn how to read and learn how to speak and overcome my speech problems, because I had to go to speech pathologist as a little child, and I never thought I could ever speak clearly, so it was a very inspiring moment to find out that I could overcome that. And it was not a, a, an immediate thing. It was a slow, steady thing. If you listen to some of the audio recordings of even 30 years ago, 20 years ago, um, you can see that there's definitely a progress in the, in the, my ability to articulate. So it's not a gift. It's just sheer long-term hours, <laughs> thousands. <laughs> when Gladwell says 10,000 hours, I think it's more like, for me, it's more like a quarter million hours easily. Hey, that, that's that's amazing, and and it, and it's really great that you had that that vision in that in that moment, and and I guess it's you know moments like this are what can be really the the cause of change and and tangible change for us as individuals. How how do people, John, that may have not experienced that moment yet, to discover their deeper motivation? And, you know, people talk about you know you you mentioned about when the why why is there the you know the how to is easy, and but. So many people skip across the wine and avoid spending time with developing that deeper motivation and connecting to their to their truths. What what's your your take on you know discovering the missing reasons? Because surely if people can get that element right, it's the beginning of of the journey. Well, that's that's probably the most important thing that I love sharing more than anything. Every human being, regardless of age or gender or culture has and lives by a set of priorities or values, things that are most important to least important in their life. And at any moment in their life, they have a unique set of values that are fingerprint specific. And whatever's highest on that value list, whatever's most important to them, they are spontaneously inspired from within to fulfill it. And whatever's lower on values, which become more extrinsic, they require motivation and incentives and reminders to do it. So anytime somebody sets a goal or an intention that is truly authentically integral to their highest value and really aligned and congruent with the highest value, they maximize their potential and they wake up their natural born leader 
and they find that calling, that why, because that highest value is the why. The ancient Greeks called the highest value the telos, the end in mind. Napoleon Hill called it the chief aim. One of my mentors called it the primary objective and the magnificent obsession. Whatever that highest value is, the ancients knew how important it was to discover, and they called it, the study of it was called teleology, which is the study of meaning and purpose. So the most meaningful, most purposeful, most fulfilling, most inspiring thing a human being can do is access the highest value, the telos, and set sail and become captain of their ship and orchestrate their life and conduct their life in such a way that they're doing the highest priority actions to fulfill that on a daily basis and learning to delegate all lower priority things that dilute and devalue their attentions. And uh, when they do that, they build a massive momentum towards a greatness and they, they give themselves permission to do something extraordinary on the planet. Amazing. Is, is there any particular steps that, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a big subject and something that, you know, I guess you, people could spend hours cultivating and, and always continually, I guess, as we develop spending time on ourselves. But is there any, is there any particular steps that our listeners could take in line with developing a meaningful purpose and, and you know, with that end in mind? Is there anything that you yeah. would suggest? Yes, I, you know, every week, 43 times out of the week, I, mean, I, I do programs every pretty well every day. I do about 350 speeches a year. Wow. And uh, every weekend, 43 weekends out of the year, um, I do a program called the Breakthrough Experience. That program is designed to do for others what Paul Bragg did for me, to access that highest value, that purpose, that mission, and to start designing your life and orchestrating your life. Because if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it's gonna fill up with low priority distractions that don't, which devalue you. So I put together uh, in the program and also freely online, so if anybody wants to go on my website, drdmartini.com, they can do this for free. It takes about 30 minutes of their time. It's 13 value questions that I'm absolutely certain it can help. I mean, I've, I've shared it all over the world. It's used in companies, governments. It's used everywhere. And what it is is 13 questions, and I'll go through them. You ask yourself how specifically, what is the three highest priority items you fill your space with? Because one of the determinants of what you value is things that are really valuable to you keep around you, and things that are not, you push away from you. So you look at what you keep most consistently around you. If you had a fire, what would you go and grab that's most important in your life? And um, you look at what is truly most important by looking at how you fill your space. The second value determinant is how much time in a day do you spend on things. The three things you spend the most amount of time on indicate what you value most. So in my case, I, I, my space is a computer with vast amount of information that I've composed on it for writing and teaching. Uh, my sp time is spent teaching pretty well every day, seven days a week I'm teaching. The third value determinant is what energizes you. Because when you're doing something that's extremely valuable to you, highest on your values, you have more energy at the end of the day than when you started. And when you're doing things low on your values, you're drained of energy. And you're designed that way as a feedback mechanism to guide you back to what is important. And so you look at what are the three things that energize you most and you always have energy for. The fourth value determinant is what you spend your money on because you find money, spend money, and accumulate money for whatever is most valuable to you. Now, when I was younger, in my 20s, I used to buy, on average, about 40 to 50 books a week. And so I was reading, you know, quite extensively, and I, and I would buy books. Today, which with it online, uh, mo most of my money goes into investments for the Demartini Prize and other uh, functions I do. 
But whatever you spend your money on, that tells you what you value. The next one is where are you most organized and ordered? You're organized in the highest value. You're disorganized in the lowest because you want to give attention to the thing that's most valuable to you. The next one is where you're most disciplined, reliable, and focused, where nobody has to remind you to do things. That's an indication of what you value. The next one is what do you visualize, think about, about how you want your life that shows evidence of coming true. And the next one is what do you visualize about how you would love your life that shows evidence coming true. And the next one is what is your internal dialogue, your internal affirmation about how you want your life that shows evidence coming true. And the next one is what do you converse with other people about most and what do you keep wanting to bring the conversation to most consistently when you're in a social setting and what can you talk all night about. And the next one is what inspires you in life, what brings tears of inspiration to your life and what is common to the people who have inspired you most. And the next one is what is the three most consistent, persistent goals that you're pursuing that you're showing great evidence of coming true, that coming into reality. And the last one is what do you want to study, read, learn, and listen to most consistently? What do you spontaneously go to at the bookstore? What do you spontaneously go to online when you go to Google to learn? If you take the top three answers for each of those 13 questions, and uh, there'll be 39 answers, and you'll see that the same answers repeatedly show up. And based on how frequent they are, if they show up the most frequent, second most frequent, third most frequent, that tells you what you value most, second and third. And that gives you an indication of what you're committed to. And then if you start orchestrating and structuring your life around that, amazing energy will come about, amazing uh, productivity will come about, and the more, the more self-worth and more vision, you know, expanded vision, because your executive center in the brain comes online when you live according to highest priorities. Mm. And this is so important if you want inspired vision, strategic planning, executing plans, and governance in life, mastery in life. So this is the key is to identify those. And so please have people go online and let them do that. It's 30 minutes. They It's private. Uh, they can store it. They can compare it. If they go back to it in another date, they can see what's there. But be objective about it. Don't write down fantasies, what you hope it will be, what you used to do. Write down what's accurate today as objectively as possible, and it'll it'll help you set sail on what's most important. Uh, you know, John, I mean, I, I will certainly myself be be getting onto the website. I mean, what a great, simple process for people to follow to establish them, them truths and them values. Um, so, guys, the, the, the website, just as a reminder, is www.drdmartini.com, D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Get over to the website. And, and um, John, how, obviously, this breakthrough experience, you mentioned you, you talk, you know, 43 weekends a year, which is just phenomenal your your level of con- contribution is almost mind-blowing and, and inspiring that you you have that passion and commitment to to continually and persistently contribute to the masses and, and really creating a ripple effect of change when you know for for people that may be interested in you know going on your website and your your website is is packed with information and and programs and and you know i think you've got you know um interviews articles youtube videos etc it's it's a really you know it's a great website full of information that people can really learn but how, how can people connect with you live you know these these 43 weekends are these all live events or some of them online or no no they're, they're I, I do i speak every weekend <clears throat> so i'm somewhere in the world if they go on the events calendar on my website it tells you where the public events are i do a lot of private events mm-hmm. but the public events are there I do the breakthrough experience. I've done it 1,115 times. I'm, I'll do the next one. I'm going to Tokyo. So I'm, I'm, I, I do it every week. 
uh, in between those, I do my other leadership programs on the other weekends. So I'm, I'm just full on, you know, I, when, when I almost died at 17, mm -hmm. I was laying face down in my tent and I was sicker than a dog. I had been unconscious for three and a half days. When I came out of it, I thought to myself, if I make it through this ordeal, I want to do something more with my life than this. And I, I guess after that, uh, each day was pretty precious. That's and brilliant. so I basically said, all right, let's go to work. That's brilliant. I figured, uh, you know, I can rest at the afterlife kind of thing. Uh, but I figured, let's get on with it. And uh, so I'm a man on a mission. And, and I figured that, you know, I, I think when you find something you can't wait to get up in the morning and do, my observation is that people can't wait to get it. And if you're an entrepreneur out there, uh, you want to make sure that you do something you, as Buffett says, you want to tap dance to work. You want to get up and do something you absolutely love. I was last night having a dinner with Greg Secker, and uh, we were having a conversation about he's working on a new book about doing what you love and loving what you do. And I think that's crucial. And if you're not doing something you love, you have a quiet life of desperation. And then you want to make sure that whatever that is you do, you want to make sure that it fills the highest values of other people. And the more universal that pursuit is, and the greater the number of people you can serve, because a person that really has a desire to serve vast numbers of people is gonna be vastly rewarded. And there's no limit on the power of service, and there's therefore no limit on the rewards we can have in life. And I think we're here to do as much altruistic service as possible, and then receive as much narcissistic rewards as possible, and take them all equally to the greatest limit of a human possibility for our life. So we can look back at our, our last days of our life and say, did you do everything you could with everything you were given? And you said, absolutely, I did it. Because I believe that when you find something that you're inspired by, you don't need motivation on the outside. No one's ever to motivate me in 45 years to do what I'm doing. I don't need motivation. I'm inspired from within. That's what wakes up natural born leaders. And we all have it ready to emerge once we become congruent and, and authentic to what's truly most important to us. Yeah, I have the the endorphins uh, running around my bloodstream listening to you, John. I'm really uh, completely agreeing. It reminds me of um, going back to my my entry into the entrepreneurial world when I when I returned from traveling about age twenty twenty one, and I stumbled across the the late great Zig Ziglar, and he was his uh, f famous quote always sticks with me: "Is help enough people get what they want, and in turn you'll you'll have what you want." And I think it's that focus on contribution first and. Yeah, making money is not a bad idea, but it, in my opinion, it shouldn't really be the first point of focus. I think, you know, if you can, as you be in line with your values and look to contribute to something greater than yourself, like your mission is, is clearly greater than yourself. And it's why, in my humble opinion, you're, you're excelling and you're, you, you're just excellent in your field. And it's just really inspiring to see somebody that, and, and listen to someone that has that passion from within. Well, you know, I was 20 when I listened to Zig Ziglar and that, he said that statement. And uh, it was very inspiring to, to hear him. He was out of Dallas, Texas. I was in Houston. He came to Houston and spoke there. And so that was, there's a guy I had named Ed Tullison. Now, Ed Tullison, uh, I can't even find the guy on the internet, which is surprising. He had such an impact back in the 70s. Um, but this guy traveled the world, lived in the penthouses of the top hotels, and, um, and had thousands of people attend his evening programs. And then you bought a thousand dollar set of 100 audio cassettes and each were $10, but if for a thousand dollars, you buy these hundred cassettes. It was all about living an inspired entrepreneurial life. Wow. 
So I, I raised the money and got my thousand dollars and I bought that set. And then anywhere in the world where he was, whatever it is, after the, the next day or the next few days, he'd be in that city. Uh, you could hang out with him and just ask him questions. And so he said to me, he said, never live where you can't see the farthest horizon. And I thought, wow, that's cool. So that's why I put my, my homes on the 63rd floor and in Australia and the 62nd floor in New York, you know, the 52nd floor in Houston. I live on a ship that's out at sea, so there's no boundaries, atop of a mountain. All my homes have been where you can't see, you can't uh, have any limits. You can see the farthest horizon. Nothing's in the way of that. And I, and I really believe that our vision um, is constrained by the subordination and constructions of people on the outside that we subordinate to. And we're not here to live in the shadows of anyone. We're here to stand on the shoulders of giants and to recognize that whatever we see in others that we admire, we have within us, although it may be in a, a different form, according to our own set of values. So we're not here to envy them, but we're here to awaken by seeing their greatness. It's only because we're too humble to admit what we see in them inside us. But once we awaken it and see that it's not missing in us, nothing's missing in us, we give ourselves permission to stand on their shoulders and thank them for catalyzing the realization that we are not missing it and we have the capacity to do something extraordinary. And I'm very much into helping people wake that up and, and help them discover their own magnificence because they don't need self-improvement. They might need self-awareness, that's all. Fabulous. Well, I'm 100% sure that the listeners are, are going to be as captivated as I am and listening to you today. You, you talked about your, your passion to study the laws of the universe and you know that push passion to study that still clearly resides within you to, to study to continue to develop and grow as as we always do um how how can with the law of the universe and the law of attraction uh, particularly interested in learning a little bit more of your involvement within the secret how did that come about and yeah what can you share well, I, on the law of attraction i i, I was uh, i had been teaching uh, you know many many years because that was just about 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah. I I guess because I had been out and about speaking, I was doing probably about 320 to 350 speeches a year at the time. And uh, I got a contact or a call from Rhonda Byrne. And Rhonda Byrne is the producer of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she invited me to want to participate. And I told her yes. And I said, thank you. She said, we see that you're out, you know, in the personal development industry and you're busy and you're doing things. And you have an outreach and you have many books out and um, we'd like to have you participate. And I said, well, I'd love to It'd be fantastic. What she described was pretty inspiring. The original uh, secret is not what anybody saw. The original secret was a two hour primetime television special that was going to go launch around the world. Oh. And, um, but what happens, the Commonwealth games bought out the time and messed up their schedule. And so they went on to a Vivitas uh, DVD set instead and went out to the world, which actually was a greater outcome but it would have been limited otherwise. But uh, I was involved in that. And then it would just so happen that I was involved in a transformational leadership council with Jack Canfield. And um, so 33 of the people in the movie uh, happened to be in Aspen, Colorado at a conference that we were putting on uh, to help everybody share with everybody else the, the greatest ideas that's been helping people in their transformation of people's lives. And we were having a meeting. And so she came in and filmed three solid days from early in the morning to early in the morning and captured all the footage of that. And uh, that was made it more efficient. So she flew over from Melbourne, Australia, over to Aspen to get at least 70% of all the footage for the film right there 
in three days. Wow. Because everybody was there. <laughs> it was very efficient. Luckily, that was all, it just happened to be where it just, it was one of those meant to be situations. And um, yeah, that was that was the role of it. I, I was blessed to be part of that. Now, the, the, the version that everybody saw was the third version. And uh, that's the one that kind of went uh, viral. And uh, but the first version was completely different. I was the advertisement in Melbourne on TV where I was speed reading an ancient text trying to find the laws of the universe, the secret. Mm -hmm. That was the advertisement. And it was a two to two hour primetime TV special. But they, they changed it and diluted it down and watered down some of the content. So it was a little bit more mass media, uh, social media worthy. Wow, brilliant. <clears throat> so on your personal development journey, sort of you know, going back to, you know, the time when you were, I guess, awakened, you know, face down in your tent and that, that lady obviously, you know, got you to that health shop. And since then, when you, you've made that decision to educate yourself and, and study and, and, and become a teacher well globally. You mentioned you obviously Zig Ziglar having an influence on you when you were twenty. You mentioned obviously this uh, hundred uh, radio cassette program that you you found a way to invest. You know that that thousand dollars. What was the the actual first program? What was the the, the first book? Because I was just thinking for a moment when you were when you mentioned that thousand dollar and Zig Ziglar. I thought, oh, when, who was who was my catalyst for change? And I remember. I found a leaflet and I was just captivated by it. And it was um, actually, actually Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within. And that, that's really what set me on my personal development journey to really believe in what was inside. Was there anything particular from memory that, that set you on your way, John? Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a whole chain of, of situations. When I was 14 years old, um, I took off from Houston, Texas to hitchhike to California. Yep. Halfway there... I um, I was walking through El Paso, downtown El Paso, Texas, and I had a headband on and a Hawaiian shirt and some sandals, and I was a, with a surfboard and kind of looked like a hippie. And uh, I got confronted on the down in the sidewalk downtown with three cowboys because cowboys and surfers didn't get along, mm -hmm. and they were going to harass me. They wanted to beat me up, and I didn't know what to do, so I I couldn't outrun them. I couldn't go in the shop. I couldn't go in the street. And uh, so I didn't know what to do. So I just started growling and barking like a wild animal at him, which I, I don't know where it came from, but it just surfaced. And it worked. They backed away. They thought, this guy's probably on drugs or something. And uh, it was funny. When, when I went past them, an old guy on the street came up to me, put his arm on my shoulder and said, Sonny, that was the funniest dang thing I've ever seen. You took care of them cowpokes like a pro. Can I buy you a cup of coffee, young man? And I said, well, no, sir, I don't drink coffee can I buy you a Coca-Cola? And I said, yes, sir. So we went to a malt shop and got a Coca-Cola, this old man. Now, his, this old man is, is probably 62. I'm 63 now, so, but I, I don't feel old. But um, anyway, he then talked to me and he says, are you going to California? I said, yeah. He says, you a runaway. I said, no, not really. My parents know where I'm doing. You know, that, it's, it's an authorized thing. And um, he said, well, you threw me the Coke. I said, yeah. He said, then follow me. I have something to teach you. So I, I followed this old man two blocks, another two blocks, up the steps of the downtown El Paso library. He took me to a library. He, he, uh, we went to the information booth and asked the lady there to keep an eye on my goods, my surfboard and my duffel bag. We went in the library, down some steps, up some steps, and sat down at a table. He went off to the bookshelves and came back with two big books. And he sat me down. He looked directly at me, catty corner on the corner of the table. And he looked at me and he said, young man, there's two things I want to teach you, boy but you got to promise me you'll never forget them. 
I said, yes, sir. He said, number one, young man, is never judge a book by its cover. It will fool you. He said, I'll bet you think I'm some old guy on the street, some old bum on the street. And he looked like it. He looked like just some old guy. He said, but young man, I'm, I'm one of the wealthiest men in the world. I have everything that money can buy. I've got planes. I've got companies. I've got yachts. I've got homes. I've got everything that anybody could ever buy. He says, so don't ever judge a book by its cover. It'll fool you. And then he said he took my right hand and he stuck them on top of the two books. And it was Plato and Aristotle. And he, and he said, he said, young man, you learn how to read. You learn how to read, boy. He says, because there's only two things you can never take away from your life, and that is your love and your wisdom. So you gain the wisdom of love and the love of wisdom. Philosophia, young man. And you never forget that. You got to promise me. Look me straight now. He said, you, you promise, boy? And I said, yes, sir. Well, I never forgot that. I wear cufflinks right now that have the cufflinks embossed love and wisdom. And that was a, that was a mentor to me. Wow. He turned out to be Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was in El Paso, Texas, at the, dealing with El Paso natural gas to deal, build a brewery. I just happened to run into Howard Hughes on the street, and he basically gave me an inspiration to do love and wisdom. So that was a mentor without even realizing it was a mentor initially. I, I, I love that. I've never heard it, it, you know, put across in that way, love of wisdom, wisdom of love, you know, philosophy. It's, um, that's a, an amazing experience. Brilliant. Yeah, so that, that was a mentor. Then I... Then I met Paul Bragg, okay. and I, I met many people. I've been blessed to meet amazing people over my journey. I mean, just amazing. The list is in the thousands of just amazing people that do extraordinary things. And, and I believe that if you're on a mission to go do something amazing, the universe brings you amazing people in your life to catalyze all the next steps. You're always at the right place at the right time to meet the right people to make the right deal. And you're, you're here to synchronize and be at the right place to, you know, to, to meet the right people. That's it. And that's uh, tremendous. Jones, one of the mentors I had, too, he said, he said, uh, you know, the people you meet and the books that you read will determine where you are yesterday versus tomorrow. And then you, you got to fill your mind with the greatest ideas you can and not fill your don't give yourself time to fill it with anything other than that which inspires you. Well, yeah, I think the, the, the excellence that's been shared with you has obviously you know, propelled you on a, an own your own mission of, you know, passion and, and, and excellence and, and influence in the world. And it's, it's really, really great to see. Do you, do you think there's there's something that, with your studies of human behaviour, that, you know, conflicts people in, you know, preventing themselves to succeed or, or, or even those that then empower themselves to succeed? Is that related to their values? Um, is, is there anything, you know, that why, why do people stop themselves? Is it a fear? It, well, it, it's a very simple thing. I outline it very clearly in the breakthrough experience and people just go, their mouths are just sitting open. Anytime you meet somebody that you think in your perception that they are more intelligent than you, more successful than you, more wealthy than you, have a more stable or more beautiful relationship than you, more socially influenced than you, more physically fit or attractive or healthier than you, or more spiritually aware than you, Anytime you compare yourself to them, instead of comparing your daily actions to your own highest values, and you minimize yourself and exaggerate them because you assume they have something that you're too humble to admit you have, you will inject their values into your life, and you'll try to envy them and imitate them and inject their values. And the second you try to live by somebody else's values, they won't be intrinsic, and you'll need motivation. 
and you're designed in your physiology and psychology to self-depreciate whenever you're living by lower values and not your own highest. And so you end up having um, this fantasies of trying to live in their values instead of the authenticities of living in your own highest values. And those fantasies create phobias and fears because you can't persist on it. You can't sustain living other people's values. You can only sustain living your own. And you want to be, you know, nobody's dedicated to anything other than what they value most. And so if you try to be doing something else, you'll dilute it. And many people cloud the clarity of their own in call, called mission inside because they keep surrounding themselves with people that they subordinate to. That's why living in the shadows of others is not the secret. And living with a herd instinct and being part of the sheep instead of the shepherd is not going to get you to greatness. You have to be willing to walk the road, an, an unborrowed visionary, a trailblazer, as, as Emerson says, and give yourself permission to be authentic, even if you get ridiculed because of tradition and convention and violently opposed because you're, un, you're unique and you're basic original thinker. But on the other end of it, once you build momentum, you change and catalyze transformation in the world. And this is what leaves the mark. And then you create a change in culture because everybody wants to make a difference, but they can't make a difference deluding themselves by the injected values of others. They can only make a difference by being authentic in their own unique path and their own highest values. So really the, the, the message <clears throat> is authenticity. And I guess we can be clouded by that social conditioning and that environmental influence. Whereas, you know, connecting with, you know, getting over to your 13 value questions to going back there and people spending a bit of time on themselves to get true to what's in line with their core values and what's going to empower them from the, the inside out rather than the outside in. That's it. If, if, if you, if you identify, you know, there, everybody can identify with this. If you fill your day with high priority actions that truly inspire you, truly specific actions that get done that day so you can build confidence and momentum by accomplishing little incremental steps you know, baby steps make big dreams, piggy banks become biggie banks, little actions that do something build momentum like a domino. And if you stick to the highest priority actions, your day doesn't fill up with low priority distractions. It's easier to say no to people that try to inject or unjunct you and try to distract you. You say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm on a mission. And uh, you can you can stay focused and you will build a tremendous amount of energy. Your energy is infinite once you recognize that source. And your vitality in life is directly proportional to the vividness of the vision. And the second you're congruent with the highest value, your executive center reveals to you a literally an inspired vision and you can see your pathway and you would take action on it. You can see the steps. And this is the lucidity that occurs in a person who's congruent. Fantastic. I'm uh, so grateful for your time today. Jo John, I have one more question I I'd like to ask you. It's something that I've stumbled across and for me personally would like a little bit of clarity. In, in the world we, we, we live in today, I, I kind of have this almost fear of where people are, you know, segregated into a certain box and, you know, people are told they, they have depression or they have anxiety. Somebody recently told me that they'd been to the doctors and had been, you know, prescribed, you know, X, Y and Z um, antidepressants. And, and I, my beliefs are in, in a complete opposite domain to that. I really do believe in people and believe in our ability to you know, focus and, and be connected to our authenticity. And it's, it's a shame where, in my opinion, westernized medical intervention seems to be almost disrupting the world. And I stumbled across something about the Demartini method. And, and it talks about how that can resolve emotions and challenges. Can you, can you briefly tell us a little bit about what that method actually is? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's extremely powerful. I'm, I'm, I've been working on it since I was 18. <laughs> uh, 
Depression, I define as a comparison of your current reality to a fantasy and an unrealistic expectation or delusion that you're holding on to and addicted to. In other words, the, the way life is is the way life is. And you, if you hold on to a fantasy of how it's supposed to be or how it should be or how you want it to be, instead of honoring what it is, you're not going to appreciate it. And you won't see things on the way. You'll see things in the way constantly. So what I do is in the Demartini method, it's, it's, it's more than I can say in five minutes because it's a lot of different questions involved. Mm-hmm. But it starts off, let's say somebody does something that you feel resentful to. So what you do in the first step you do is identify what specific trait, action, or inaction is this person displaying or demonstrating that you perceive in a way that you have resentment to them, that you most resent. And you identify that and you break it down to an action or an inaction, not a label, not a feeling, but an exact action that they take. Then you identify where and when do you display and demonstrate this trait, action, inaction, uh, and who do you do it to and who sees you doing it. And you go and repeat that until you can own the trait 100% quantitatively and qualitatively. Now, I've done that for on 80,000 people in the break soon, probably another 80,000 people in one-on-ones and through, and I got 4,000 facilitators doing that on another half a million people. We've demonstrated that there's no trait you'll ever see in another person you don't have. You have everything inside you. Nothing's missing in you, but you may not be honoring it. You may be too proud or too humble to admit you have it. So first, you got to own it. You got to own your hero and your villain if you want to master your life. And then what you do is you go in and find out, so, okay, it's never what happens to you. It's your perception of it because you have control of your perceptions, decisions, and actions. That's the only thing you have control over. Mm -hmm. So how specifically is this uh, them displaying this? How is it serving you? So you go to the moment when and where they displayed the trait and ask how specifically is while they're displaying that trait serving you? How's it helping you? How's it uh, helping you achieve? How's it helping you get what you want in life? How's it helping you fulfill your highest value? And you don't stop answering that until you can turn it into something to be thankful for. Because it's never what happens to you. It's your perception of it. Once you do that, then you go and look at where you've done it and you find out how it served the people you've done it to. Then you go and find out where that person does the opposite so you don't label them and distort with subjective biases the labels on them. Then you go find out at the exact moment they did it who is doing the opposite in your life because there's always a pair of opposites because our perceptions are always contrastive. And then if you ask yourself the next question, if they had done the opposite the way you hoped they'd have been, the fantasy, what would have been the drawback to crack the fantasy you're comparing them to? By the time you finish those seven questions, you're going to be appreciating this person instead of being resentful to this person. There's not one emotion that I've been able to, that I've seen people have in the breakthrough experience that we haven't been able to turn and return to thank you, I love you. And everybody wants to be loved and appreciated for who they are. And if you had only 24 hours to live, you'd basically say thank you, I love you to the people who contribute to your life. Well, everybody contributes to your life, no matter who they are. So wisdom is knowing how to ask the right questions, because as you know, the quality of your life is based on the quality of questions you have. So the Demartini Method is a series of about 100 questions that can transform any perception into thank you. And it liberates people from emotional baggage and bondage and gives them permission to go after what inspires them most. Well, well, John, I'm very grateful yet again. Thank you very much for your time today. I'm 100% confident um, this is one of the greatest shows we've done. Um, and uh, our listeners are really going to find some inspiration and some real you know, catalyst for change. Guys, get over to uh, Dr. John Demartini's website. As a reminder, www.drdemartini.com. Um, there's an abundance of contribution on there. Get over to the events calendar, have a look at the public events, see where you can you know, make time, make an effort to, to get and see 
John live and, and from my own um, personal pride and satisfaction, you know, thanks John for your, for your time and I, I wish you a fantastic day and continued success in, in all you do. Thank you very much for your time. No, thank you for this and uh, appreciate you help, helping me help other people. I appreciate it. Thank you for your contribution and all the dedication you have to making that difference. Thank you, John. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media. Then subscribe, rate and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe and join the community of passionate people.